0: Again, uh, I want to welcome you. Uh, I know Audrey's already said that, and uh, it's a joy to hear you singing and uh, lifting up God's praise together. We're in this series called Missio Dei, uh, which means the mission of God. Uh, and As we lean into it even more this week, I, I want to start with a question, a question that is one of the biggest questions uh, that every one of us has asked, will ask, and will keep asking in our entire lives. And that's this, what on earth am I here for? You may ask it differently. You may say, what's my purpose? Uh, You may say, what's the meaning of life? You may say, why do I exist? Uh, But one of the questions that's universal to the human experience, if we live long enough, is that we all ask this question in some form, uh, some way, Uh, why am I here? It's a question that has filled debate halls uh, since uh, antiquity. It's a question that debate has filled volumes in libraries. Uh, it's probably a question that you have consumed a considerable amount of ounces of coffee uh, or tea or soda or water over. It's a question you've probably spent hours awake at night asking in some way or sat in your car trying to figure out, what on earth am I here for? It's a question that rises to the surface when we face some of life's most significant events milestones like graduation, uh, or the expectation, anticipation of marriage, uh, going off to a career. It's a question we ask in the face of tragedy, in the face of death, a diagnosis. It's a question we ask when we see uh, horrific world events unfold. Like, what's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of my life? What's the purpose of my kid's life? Why do I exist on this earth? What, What on earth am I here for? And as we explore the mission of God, we're giving you a way to answer that question in the only way that satisfies. Your question of why you exist and what on earth you're here for will only find a resolute and complete answer in the story of God, the purpose of God, the mission that God is working in and inviting you into. This series, Missio Day, it's based on those two Latin words, missio, which means mission, and day, which means God, D-E-I. It's the mission of God, and we're exploring the mission of God for his people. We kind of laid some groundwork last week with what we called the prelude to the mission, showing you through scripture that, that when God created you, uh, he had more than you in mind. Uh, we need to think beyond me. There, 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 there's every tribe, every tongue, every nation is on the heart of God and the mission of God for his people includes you and includes every single person that has been born will be born uh, on this earth that's the mission of God now oftentimes in church when we think of the mission of God we go to one specific verse uh, we go to Matthew chapter 28 just a couple of verses verses 18 through 20 where Jesus says all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me uh, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We call that the great commission. So if we're thinking about the mission of God, it's only natural that our mind goes to that, but I want you to see something even broader today. We're gonna come back to that, those verses of Jesus, those words of Jesus at the very end, but I want you to see that for Jesus, for the early church, there was so much more meaning there. Keep in mind that for the early followers of Jesus, the early disciples of Jesus, they didn't yet have the New Testament like we have it. They didn't have a Matthew to go, uh, you know, run through a scroll to and say, okay, where's Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20? Where's the Great Commission? They would probably not have even called it that. They only had the words they had heard from Jesus that they spoke again and again to one another. And those words found their greater context within this larger story that God had been authoring since the beginning. And that's a story that you and I are both a part of. I want you to see a graphic that speaks about this grand story of God. A Fancy way they say it sometimes in textbooks is the meta-narrative. Meta just means big uh, and narrative means story. So this is the big story, the grand story of God. And the grand story of God is laid out for us in the pages of scripture. It's the story that you and I are a part of. It's the story that gives context to our life and helps us answer that question, what on earth am I here for? And here's how the grand story unfolds. It starts with a beautiful creation and it ends with a new creation, the beautiful creation, that story is told in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Some of you, most of you are probably familiar with that story. God creates the heavens and the earth. He says that it's good. He puts the stars in the sky, the sun to, 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 to shine the light during the day and the moon by night. And he creates every living creature. He gets to day six and he creates humankind, Adam and Eve. And he says it's very good. That's Genesis 1. Genesis 2. He creates a suitable helper for Adam. Like they rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing that crawls upon the ground. It's a beautiful creation story. And then some of God's helpers, uh, angels, rebelled against him, one of them being Satan. And they made it their mission to turn people away from the heart of God. And so we find Genesis chapter 3 something we call the fall, when Adam and Eve, God's beautiful creation, give in to the temptation of the enemy and they turn from God and they sin and sin enters the world and corruption and tarnish and difficulty and tragedy ensues and there in Genesis 4 we begin to hear the story of what we would call redemptive history it's it's God's story of restoring God's story of rescuing God's story of redeeming which means to buy back and to bring into proper relationship the story of how God's doing that. And that story includes people like Abraham. It includes people like Joseph, people like Moses. It includes the prophets whose stories you read in scripture. It includes people like David and Solomon. It includes Jesus. Like he's, he's the ultimate part of that story, that redemptive story, God in human flesh. It includes the 12 disciples. It includes the early church. It includes the church from 100 AD to 1000 AD it includes people in the world from that time on through our current day. It includes you. You're a part of this redemptive history of God's story. And that story will find its fulfillment in the end when God makes all things new. And that new creation story is told in, in the book of Revelation, that apocalyptic letter that John writes. Some people have worded it this way, is that it's a story of two trees. You have the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are separated from it because of their sin. And we have the tree of life again in the beautiful new garden, the beautiful creation that God makes at the end. And this is the grand story of God and you and I are a part of it. You and I are part of this redemptive history right now, and it's this story that brings context to your story. It's this story that helps you answer the question, what on earth am I here for? And there there is one continuous mission that runs throughout this entire story, and here's a simple way to articulate it. This mission is this, is that God wants to bring his blessing to the world, and as people experience that blessing, he wants to bring it through them to the world. God's blessing is just a way to describe the fullness of his goodness, the full experience of his character and his greatness and his glory. God wants his creation to experience that and every human being, every nation, every people group to experience that. That's the mission of God. And that's the mission that runs throughout the entire grand story of scripture. That's the story that you and I are a part of. And what I want to do this morning is I want to trace this mission so you can see the consistency from Genesis all the way through to where we sit today to find your place in his incredible story. But instead of starting in a place like Matthew chapter 28, uh, we're going to start uh, in Genesis. But before we get there, I want you to look at Galatians chapter 3 with me because it's going to lead us to Genesis. Uh, The letter of Galatians found like midway through your New Testament Uh, is a letter written. It's meant to be read and uh, sent to churches all throughout uh, the province of Galatia in the Roman Empire. In the letter, uh, Paul challenges some difficulties that were arising among early believers. If you can imagine, as those who knew the history of God's people, uh, those from Jewish backgrounds, um, came to know Jesus, and then people that were outside of Jewish background came to know Jesus. There were some conflicts that occurred. And so Paul writes to clear that up, to help them see what it really means uh, to follow King Jesus. Here's what he writes in Galatians chapter three, verses seven through nine. He says, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. We're talking about Abraham or Abram, which is his name before Abraham today. Understand that those who have faith, those who trust, those who uh, believe so much, they align their life under God's authority, are children of Abraham. Verse 8, Scripture foresaw that God would justify, God would make right the Gentiles, those are people outside of the ancestral people of Israel. Scripture foresaw that God would justify, he would make right the Gentiles, everyone, uh, by faith. By their belief, by their trust, and announced the gospel, the good news, in advance to Abraham. And how did he do that? So when he told him this, all nations will be blessed through you. And we'll look at those words in just a moment in Genesis chapter 12. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Those who depend upon faith are blessed. They experienced the fullness of God's goodness, God's glory, His greatness alongside Abraham. I want to start here because I want you to see that what we even speak about in the Great Commission, that people would come to know Him, what's achieved through the Great Commission, is rooted in really God's incredible story that goes all the way back to the very beginning, to a man named Abraham. So, for that story, let's look at Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 12. God comes and he speaks to a man who at that, that time his name is Abram. I'll probably use those names interchangeably because Abram's name gets changed to Abraham. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. We're told the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Um, Just stop there for a moment. Can you imagine, uh, here's a man who is hearing from God for the very first time. Up until this point, uh, he likely worshiped many idols and here God reveals himself. And he's called to leave everything that he knows, everything that's familiar, uh, everything that he's ever experienced in his life, the place, the home, the people, And to go to some place that God is going to show him. And he walks forward in faith. He believes in the midst of that uncertainty. And look at what God tells him. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. That word bless or a form of it occurs five times in these two verses. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Abram, 75, listens to God, and God says, I'm gonna bless you. You're going to be a blessing. I'm going to help you experience the fullness of my goodness, my greatness, my glory. You're going to, have to live in the midst of that and, and, and how great that is. And you're actually going to take that to other people. And if people accept you and they bless you, then they're going to be blessed. And if they curse you, they're going to be cursed. But here's what I want you to know, Abram, is that I'm going to bless the whole world through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's mission from the beginning has been to bring his blessing to all of creation, to all of humanity. He wants us to experience his goodness, his glory, his greatness. If I take you back to Paul's words in Galatians 3 for a moment, Paul says that this was the gospel expressed in advance. That's interesting, isn't it? So often we think of the gospel and we think of this good news about Jesus, that God came in human flesh And he lived to show us how we are to live, what God intends for us. And if we would trust in him and have faith in him, we would have life in his name and we would be rescued from our own sin as we trust in him. We call it the gospel, that God rescues us from something, sin, and he rescues us to something, life with him. And Paul says that way back in Genesis 12, God was announcing the gospel. Do you see the consistency? What what we read in scripture that, 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 that Jesus comes to save, that's God's blessing coming to us. And that was announced even to Abraham. I want to bless the world through you. God's mission, the missio Dei, the mission of God for his people is to bless them and to bless the world through them. That has been God's mission since the very beginning. The Great Commission is a part of that. Our lives are intended to be a part of that. That's where we find the answers to our question, what on earth am I here for? We were made to be blessed by God and take his blessing to the world. I want to show you something else. It doesn't doesn't stop here and it actually doesn't just begin here in Genesis chapter 12 because you hear echoes of this even in Genesis chapter one. When God creates humankind, Genesis chapter one, verses 27 and 28, He says, uh, in his likeness, he created them male and female. He told them to be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth and subdue it to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every living thing that crawls along the ground. Do you hear in that the echoes of blessing and being a blessing? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I want you to take me and my greatness to the earth. We hear it here in in Genesis chapter 12. In fact, five times in the book of Genesis, we read a similar phrase that God wants to bless the nations of the world through Abraham. But it continues beyond that. We can go to Exodus. And we can look at how God gives his people their identity, and he tells them that that they're going to be a holy people, that that how they live according to his law and his ways are going to shape and influence the world around them, people who are blessed to be a blessing. You can fast forward to Psalms, to the uh, book of poetry here, Psalm chapter 72, verse 17. Uh, It reminds us, and by the way, this is just a small selection of Hundreds of verses I could show you, but, but time does not allow for that. Uh, Psalm 72, verse 17. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Do you see the consistency? God's mission, the Missio Dei, is to bless the world, help them experience his greatness, his fullness, his goodness, and then to bless others as they have been blessed, as God carries his blessing through them. But it's not just the Psalms, it's the prophets. Isaiah is full of reference after reference after reference, I'll just show you one, Isaiah 49, verse six. I'll back up to verse five, it says, and now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has been my strength. And Isaiah says that God says this. He says, The Lord says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. Um, That's too small. Let me show you the grand story, Isaiah. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Do you hear the echoes of that mission? From the very beginning. Whether it's be fruitful, multiply, Abram, I'm going to bless you and bless the world through you. We see it in Exodus. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in the prophets. Let's fast forward to the days of Jesus. Actually, let's look before the day of Jesus, the day he was born. Luke chapter 2. I don't have this verse for you on the screen. I just kind of was drawn to it as I was practicing this morning. In Luke chapter 2, as the angels announced the arrival of Jesus to the shepherds, listen to what they say. This is verse nine. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Uh, or as the Charlie Brown version says, they were sore afraid. Uh, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And those of you that are reading your Bibles, what does it say next? For all the people. For all the people. God's blessing, the fullness of of his goodness and his greatness and his glory given to people and extended to all the nations. Do you see God's mission for his people? Jesus articulates the same thing. We'll go to the end of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Jesus finds himself gathering with his disciples. It's one of the last last times he'll meet with them. He's, He's risen from the dead earlier that day. Beginning in verse 45 it says, Then he, that's Jesus, opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to who? All nations. You see the mission of God, Missio Dei, is that God's mission is that he would bless all people and through those people carry his blessing to even more. God's mission is to bless or for them to experience the fullness, the greatness of his goodness, of his character, of his glory. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And just so you can see the consistency throughout Scripture, I'll take you to Acts chapter 26 really quick. In Acts chapter 26, Paul is before King uh, Agrippa, Uh, He's defending himself about who he is and what he's done and what his life's been about. And here's what he says in verses 22 and 23 of Acts chapter 26. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. Do you see him linking what's been happening in his life with this grand story that has been unfolding? That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to who? The Gentiles. God's mission for his people is this, that he wants to bring his blessing to us and through us to the world. God wants you to experience the fullness of his greatness and his glory. That's why he created you. That's what on earth you're here for. And then he wants to, through you, help other people experience the fullness of his greatness and his glory. That's the mission of God for his people. Will we join him in this mission? In this mission that spans the whole story, the whole epoch of human life, will we join him in that? I was curious this week about times when maybe actors or actresses had turned down the invitation from a great director uh, to be in their film. And so it sent me on this kind of search because I, I thought it might be a poignant illustration for us. And, and on the journey, it took me to the great film director, Ridley Scott. Some of you may be familiar with that name. He's like 85 years old now, and he's, he's had a number of Hollywood blockbusters credited to his name. He's got one coming out this fall. They predict will be an incredible story called Napoleon that launches around Thanksgiving. Uh, He's the director behind movies like G.I. Jane, Thelma and Louise. If you're a little bit older, the Alien movies, Um, the famous movie with Matt Damon Martian. Uh, Ridley Scott was the director behind it. But probably his most famous blockbuster is the movie Gladiator uh, starring Russell Crowe, um, you know, acting as, as Maximus. Ridley Scott is a famous Hollywood director. People line up to be in his films. Can you imagine what they feel like when Ridley Scott, who has all these um, million-dollar grossing films, comes to them and says, hey, I want you to play a significant role in my story. Well, we see that the creator of heavens and earth, the greatest director that has ever lived, who's crafting a story that's better than any Hollywood blockbuster, Invites us to play a significant role in his story. And by the way, all of history is his story. Thinking about Ridley Scott, as I was reading some of the stories behind his films, I learned that for Gladiator, Russell Crowe was not his first choice to play the role. Do you know who it was? Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson had played in some other action roles and and, and, and Ridley Scott, when he envisioned the, the role of Maximus, he said, I need Mel Gibson to play this role. Mel Gibson turned down the role. He turned down the invitation to be gladiator. I can only imagine what he thought in subsequent months as that film grossed so many millions of dollars. Mel Gibson said no and Russell Crowe said yes. Will we say yes to the invitation of the incredible God of heaven and earth who invites us into his story? Will we say yes to his mission, to experience his blessing, to experience his goodness, to experience his glory, to experience his greatness, to find our worth and our identity and our value in him and then to live according to what he says so that other people get to experience his blessing? Or will we turn down that role Well, we accept the mission of God for his people. We find ourselves a part of Missio Dei. What does it take to respond to that invitation? We're gonna come back to Matthew chapter 28 in just a moment, but before we do, I wanna take you back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 18, this is now 20 plus years after God called Abram from his place. Ur of the Chaldeans, as it says. Abram has been waiting, uh, waiting for God to turn him into this great nation. Uh, we've already learned by this point in the story that Abram's wife, Sarah, is, is barren. She can't have any kids. So they've wrestled through this whole thing, like how are we gonna be a great nation? How's God gonna bless the world through us? We don't even have a child. And so um, if you know their story, they tried to short circuit the plan a little bit and they had uh, Abraham sleep with their female servant Hagar and they had a child Ishmael and God's like, um, that's not exactly what I intended. And so we get to Genesis chapter 18 and God sends three messengers to them. And those messengers tell Abram that uh, about this time next year, his wife's gonna give birth to a child and they're gonna name him Isaac. As those messengers prepare to leave, God's walking them out, the, you know, uh, to, to, to leave Abraham. And he says, should I tell Abraham about Sodom? Because God has observed these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, whose people are living in ways that completely push back against what God's intents are. And they're breaking his heart. They're, they're destroying their lives in the process. And so God begins to talk about Abraham and what he sees in him. And I want you to see these words in Genesis 18, verse 19. As God speaks to these messengers, he says this of Abraham, for I have chosen him, I have chosen Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. And what had God promised Abraham? Go back to Genesis chapter 12, that I will bless all the people of the earth through him. And he says, how's Abraham going to experience that? Well, he's going to live for righteousness and justice and he's gonna direct his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord and do what is right and what is just as well. See, Abraham sees that he's going to be this instrument of God's blessing. He's gonna live in the missio day, the mission of God, joining up in his mission by looking to God and saying, God, I trust you, and so I'm gonna experience your blessing as I live according to your ways and your truth, and I'm gonna teach other people how to live according to your ways and your truth and they can experience your blessing. We experience God's blessing as we live according to his ways and truth. When we do things his way, we experience the, the fullness of his greatness, his goodness. And then as we do that, other people take notice. When we help them come to experience His greatness and His goodness. Now I want to take you to Matthew chapter 28. With all the historical context we've given this morning, I want you to hear these words and how history and God's mission throughout the ages reverberates in these words. Listen for the same themes. Listen for that mission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, go. Help other people learn about me just like you've learned about me. As they hear about me, as they're transformed, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew chapter 20 expresses God's incredible mission, but it's in this full context of what God's been up to since the very beginning. So will you and I join him in that mission? Do you and I understand that there is a world in desperate need all around us? People Every continent, every country, they're asking the same question that we ask. What's my purpose? Like, what on earth am I here for? Can you imagine the cries of desperation from two countries full of people who don't worship the true living God? This week, 15,000 people and counting have died in Libya and Morocco from an earthquake and a flood. Two Muslim nations who many of those people don't know who he is who themselves have stayed up at night wondering what's my purpose why do I exist and, and countries full of people are now crying out what's the point why am I here And they ask that question alongside starving people in the continent of Africa, desperate people in the cities of the United States of America, men and women in your families, men and women in your schools, men and women on your sports teams, neighbors in your neighborhood, and they're craving, what am I here for? And there's only one story, the story of the God who wants them to experience his blessing and then define their purpose in carrying that blessing to other people that, that gives meaning to their lives. So will we join God in his mission? Will we carry that blessing? As you live according to his ways, he has placed you in your schools, in your locker rooms, in your places of work, in your families, in your community, to be able to shine that light to those who don't yet know. You are a part of the mission of God. Will we respond to that invitation? And may you know that if you've yet to respond to who God is and what he's done in Jesus, that his invitation is open to you. He had you in mind when he called Abram from Ur. He had you in mind when he sent Jesus to this earth to show us how to live and to provide rescue by us believing and having faith and finding life in his name. And if we will be people who will turn from living life our way, repenting, believing, accepting the faith that Jesus' way is best, aligning our lives with him, part of that faith drives us into baptism. We're, we're made new, we're made whole, he fills us. And we live for him, experiencing his blessing and taking it to other people. And if you'd like to know more about that, we would love to help you on that journey. Um, we share it every week here. You can email us, connect at You can fill out a connection card at one of our communion stations and place it in the offering box. You can scan the QR codes that say, let's connect. We can start a conversation at the front of the room after our worship experience. But we wanna help you find your place in Missio Dei, in the mission of God. He wants you to experience his blessing and then carry that blessing to the world. Next, we're gonna look at some of the methods of carrying that blessing and living for that mission. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for being consistent from from garden to garden, from your first creation to the new. Thank you for including us in your redemptive plan. God, I pray that you would convict us and compel us to join you in your mission, to live as children of your blessing. And to faithfully and obediently, like Abraham, carry that blessing to those around us by doing what is right and just. God, for those who have yet to respond to you, God, may there be an ache, may there be a stirring, may there be a longing that is insatiable, that compels them to come and to find their life and their identity and their worth and their value and their hope in you. And it's in your name we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.